Welcome everybody to the Comet ML Office Hours, powered by the Artist Day of Science. Super excited to have all you guys here today. Um, this morning, I know it's daylight savings time, so you guys are probably um, up a little bit earlier, I guess, to be here technically, but super excited to have all you guys here. I know that there's, I don't know, do they still practice daylight savings in the EU? I'm not sure because I know a lot of our, yeah, a lot of our audience is, is from Europe, so they might be confused and show up accidentally um, an hour later, uh, which will be which will yeah. be interesting. Uh, but we do have Christoph here. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Yourself? I'm good. Good. So where are you located? Uh, I'm in Germany. But just like you said, I, I realized like an hour ago that uh, it is one hour earlier today for us. Yeah. But for me, it's usually 6 p.m. And today it's 5 p.m. But it's only for two weeks because in two weeks we have this time saving or how it's called. That's interesting, man. Yeah, it does kind of confuse things and and mix things up because I know that a lot of the people that do come on on Sunday are um, in the in in Europe. So uh, hopefully, people don't show up an hour later. Uh, probably should have been something that we had announced. I uh, I forgot it was actually daylight savings. Um, I woke up this morning and you know I, I wake up pretty early and the clock was an hour ahead and I was like, wait, hold on, man. Am I am I uh, am I waking up late? So I see you having having a beer there. I hope to have one a little bit later this afternoon. What type of beer is that? Yeah, it's a, it's a German. It's it's like uh, normal lager, I believe. Okay, what's it called? Uh, Bitburger. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm still drinking coffee. Just okay. It's late here, so yeah. I've earned, I've earned one. There you go, man. How's your how's your day been? It's been fine. Uh, um, yeah. How about how about your week? Have you been up to anything new or interesting? Yeah, I I learn like every day. I wake up at five a.m. every day because and, and like this I can work for my by myself until like eight. I have a little daughter. Uh, she'll be uh, one next week. Oh wow! Nice. So, so next week I'm not gonna be here <laughs> because we're yeah. celebrating. That's cool, man. Yeah, I've uh, I've got a, a son. He just turned ten months old. Ten um, months. Yeah, so recently. So I know exactly the uh, the struggles yeah. of being new dad. I was waking up early, you know, four a.m. for the longest time, but. Right around February, I started waking up at like more like 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. um, just because I guess I was just burnt out, tired. Um, but I've been slowly, slowly waking up earlier and earlier. So hopefully get back to, to 4 a.m. Uh, sometime mm -hmm. soon. Probably now that we're ahead an hour, I'll probably be able to wake up at what, 4 a.m. again. But it's the early morning times. They're very helpful to, to mm -hmm. make the day go a little bit smoother for me. That's when I do like meditation. I'll do my journaling. I'll do mm -hmm. And then I'll start doing like work. Um, typically, the work I'm doing right now is like I'm, I'm focusing on my podcast. So a bunch of just preparation for interviews and then editing those interviews and transcribing them and annotating them and getting them all uploaded. So going through a sprint for that. Like right now, as of right now, I've got enough. If, if I was to stop recording today for the podcast, I'd have enough episodes to last me until the beginning of October. Mm -hmm. and I see. After I'm done with this sprint, which is um, from now until the end of the first week of May, once I do all the interviews I have lined up there, I'll have enough interviews to last me until February next year. Okay, I see. Yeah, That's so plenty. Then, yeah, yeah. I'll take a break from recording in May. 
then I'll spend some time editing, transcribing, annotating, then uploading everything, getting everything scheduled out, and um, then use the rest of the year to just kind of focus on other other things than the podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, oh. how, how much time does it cost to make one single episode? Yeah, so the episode, each episode itself, right? So I typically put in, in terms of research for each episode, anywhere between four to 12 hours of research. And that depends wow. on who the guest is, right? If the guest is a author, then I'll listen to the audiobook and then I'll read the audiobook because they usually, I mean, I'll read the physical book because they usually will send me the book as well. So I'll listen to the audiobook. Well, actually, let me kind of describe my entire process, how it goes, right? Before I, uh, before I start to research and read my guest's uh, books and stuff. I'll listen to a few podcasts that the, that my guest has already been on, if they've been on podcast. So I'll listen to a few episodes just to kind of see what what it is. Are their main talking points? What it is that they're really good at talking about? And then I'll start listening to the audiobook. Then I'll start rereading re, re the book and highlighting things and doing all that. Then I'll write the introduction. Then I'll come up with my questions. That process can take you know ten to twelve hours um, spread across over you know. Mm -hmm four days or so. Um, and then the interview itself recording that takes about, you know, hour and a half or so. And then editing is another hour and then transcribing, annotating, uploading. That's about two hours. So each episode realistically in terms of time to produce can be about you know, 16 to 20 hours to produce one podcast episode. Do you have full-time job? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Oh, wow. So it's like, this is why it, I do a uh, morning, morning time. Okay. But still it's like at least a week. Yeah. So usually it takes me about a week to prepare for the interview. And then once the interview is recorded, um, like it'll probably just take me like one entire morning to, to get that, that interview ready for, publishing so mm -hmm. it'll be like a week of, of research and prep then record and then like four hours to to uh, get it ready for four to five hours to get ready for publishing i see so yeah it's a lot of work but i enjoy it man i mean it it, it for, like forces me it doesn't i don't want to say force because that's not really a good right word because i'm doing it voluntarily but it gives me an opportunity to explore a whole range of various subjects so in the coming weeks like later this week i'm, I'm interviewing uh, andy hunt who wrote this book the uh, pragmatic programmer mm -hmm. uh, he also wrote pragmatic thinking and learning so i'm interviewing him on wednesday i'm interviewing um john verveke he's a cognitive scientist and philosopher uh, he's a pretty interesting guy uh, interviewing a few other people um you mentioned Barbara Oakley, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I interviewed her at the beginning oh, of right. January. Yeah, that episode I've I've uh, I've scheduled it out. I haven't done the work to prepare it, but that that one will be coming out a little bit um, a little bit later, probably midsummer, early summer. So that would be see. a good one. Yeah, but yeah, I'm also interviewing right now. I'm doing prep work for Emily Balchetes. So she wrote the book. Uh, Closer, Clearer, Better or something like that. No, uh, Clear, Closer, Better. That's the name of the book. And she was recently on Good Morning America. So that's pretty big. Um, okay, I see. Yeah, so looking forward to uh, to that. Um, looks like Tor was here, but he just dropped off. But yeah, man, so that's my process for, for getting the podcast up. It's uh, it's a lot of work, but, but I enjoy it. I see. So uh, do you feel like waking up so early? I, I mean, when you wake up at five or before five, it's like a struggle for you. It's like, shit, again, I have to work. Or it's like, oh, finally, I can do a little bit of what I like. 
I mean, it's always a little bit difficult, right? Like the natural tendency is just like, oh, I just want to sleep. I just want to stay in this nice warm bed. It's so comfortable, so cozy. Like, let me just stay here, right? Like there's always that struggle, but you know, I've got to, I have to force myself to wake up and get out and start doing stuff because, you know, if you can, if you could do things that you don't want to do, then on the other side is greatness, right? So that's kind of what I have embodied as my philosophy. Same reason, like I take cold showers. Like I freaking hate taking cold showers. Like I hate, hate, hate that cold water as it like needles, like feel like needles, like just poking my entire body. Um, but I do it anyways, just because I don't enjoy it. So I know, I, I know what you mean. I, I followed uh, the uh, Lex Friedman, I, yeah. I guess. And he talked about it and I tried like three, maybe four times. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> I can't yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, it was a gradual kind of thing for me. I, like at, at first I would do it, I would gradually, like I'd step into the shower, it'd be a hot shower, then I'd gradually like twist the knobs in different directions until it got cold. Now I just jump in and it's just cold water. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not comfortable. It's not not enjoyable, I know, but but, I mean, but it helps. I, I I've heard plenty how much good it does for 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 us for the body, but also for what what you say that you learn how to do things that you hate. Yeah, yeah, and this is that's yeah. getting you outside of the comfort zone like immediately. Yeah, I think that's probably like, I, like people always ask me like, oh my god, like how do you do all this stuff? And I'm just like, I just I just do it. Like I just focus on the things that are important the few things try not to get distracted by the rest of it and i do it even though i don't want to and i just i just push through it um you know like here's like an example of you know, all the stuff i had to do this week like you know i've got my my weekly calendar just completely you know keeping track of what i do and this has been helpful as well and this mm -hmm. This is good because when you do have so much to do, right? Like for me, I've got I've got these office hours that I need to to do work for. I've got my open office hours I need to do work for. But then also for data science dream job, I've got a course that I'm teaching on SQL every week that I need to prepare for. And then on top of that, providing Slack support to the students at data science dream job. And then on top of that, podcast itself, LinkedIn content, and then work. Um, somewhere in between all that, I have to find time to actually make money through my activities um, but yeah it's it's fun it's a challenge i enjoy it i think about when i like what i used to do before like how i i, I genuinely felt like i like i look back at how i used to use my time previously and i'm just like what was i doing man like what the hell was i i would just sit around and watch tv watch movies like i wasn't really doing much of anything um mm -hmm. and now i look back and i'm like man that's it's really um, it has its place it's good to do it but every now and then but like so i look back at how much free time i had wasted there's times that i could have used to improve myself improve my character get better at something um that i squandered but I'm kind of making up for it now i suppose mm -hmm. so how long have you been doing what you what you're saying like waking up early and so everything? all this yeah all this really started i want to say mid 2018 like mm -hmm. mid 2018 i was just i was just That was a very low point. Like, it, like beginning of 2018 is when I decided I can't do this biostats job anymore. Like, I hated my company. I hated working there. Um, like I was putting in so much work. I was doing great work, but I don't 
wasn't getting recognized for it. Maybe I'm biased. Maybe I really wasn't doing great work, um, but I felt like like I'd been putting in work and I just wasn't getting anywhere at that company. Um, and a lot of it had to do with that company culture and, and what it was like. Um, and I said, I just, you know, just couldn't do it. So I started really thinking about what my next move would be. What would be my next pivot? Where am I going to go after this? And then that's kind of when I started looking at data science. And from February until about, until about probably July, 2018, I was just all over the place. Like I didn't know what I needed to, to do. Right. I was just bouncing around resource to resource. I would take an online course, do like three courses. And then they'd mention something in that online course. And then I like scatterbrain and go, now I need to go down that. I just felt like I had to keep on going down these rabbit holes. Um, mm-hmm. I had no focus and yeah, that was really tough. Um, but then, you know, I, I started, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Data science dream job did change my life. Like the courses that, that, that Kyle McHugh had put together specifically this module entirely on mindset and that changed my my life completely like the entire concept of growth mindset fixed mindset i started reading books like like carol dweck's mindset and grit um the power of habit smarter faster better like all these amazing books drive by daniel pink and these books kind of just like the ideas from these books took hold of my mind and just like combined in these interesting ways and just replaced whatever old belief system i had with this with this new better one that was serving me much more better than the previous police system if that makes sense and then from there i just yeah from there i was just like man like what have i been doing with my life and yeah how how much time do you spend on each of the tasks that you have on your paper like the the list of things that you do for the week right Mm -hmm. like monday through weekend like each one of them do you put like 45 minutes an hour each or how do you how many do you put in a in a, in a day, I guess. Yeah. So this, this is only not, this is not uh, related to my full-time job stuff. This is just like all the extra external stuff that yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all this stuff, like I'll put no more than four things to do on a day. Right. Gotcha. I'll, I'll do four things. Cause, and, and it's great because that's the, that's the only number of lines this thing has. It's got uh. four, four, four lines. So it's like the four big things I got to get done. Right. Mm-hmm. So that will take probably all of these four tasks, like for example, like my Monday task was, uh, well, I interviewed somebody called Joniah Dickball. Um, so I had to create his entire, uh, what I call a guest package. And the guest package is the profile, had to edit and mix the episode, had to transcribe it, annotate it, annotate it and then create like a, a header image. So I did that on Monday, plus a couple of other things. And I mean, that that entire guest packaging probably takes about two to three hours to do. Okay. Um, and then I had a couple other tasks, like I had to uh, to make sure I posted something for Analytics IQ because they, you know, they sponsored an episode. And then I had to update my um, calendar and Kanban board. So I'll typically I'll, I'll take this thing and then I'll fill out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just because, <laughs> you know, I don't know what the rest of the week's going to go look like. Like yeah. looking Thursday, Friday weekend, it's a little bit too far out. And then come Wednesday, I'll, I'll reassess what I did Monday, Tuesday. Ah, gotcha. And then also, okay. Okay, what's left over that I need to redistribute? What okay. else do I need to work on? Um, that really helps. So, so the Monday is kind of like the guide for the rest of the day, uh, rest of the week, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I'll fill this out on Sunday, like later today. Like after, mm-hmm. after we're, we're uh, done with this yeah. call, I'm taking, you know, me, wife and baby are going to the art museum. And okay. They're doing some baby things. So we'll go do that. Then come home, baby will go to sleep. And then I'll print out another one of these pages and I'll plan out what I want the next you know, few days to look like. 
Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday, I'll reassess and see, okay, what, what else do I need to do? Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much like Sundays are the days that I use to plan out the rest of my week. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least just a, you know, a few days in advance, plus a few main things that I need to, to focus mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So healthy. How do you actually manage, control, track, and document all of what you're doing? Uh, just this thing right here, right? <laughs> this is it. Like, I don't have like metrics for myself that I that I have. Because um, for me, most of these tasks are binary. I either get to them or I don't get to them, or I finish them or I don't finish them. Um, and everything I do is really just, I guess, time bound, right? Like, for example, like I've got from now until the end of the first week in May, I have like 14 or 15 interviews to do, 16 maybe. Um, so for that, I need to to think about, okay, which people am I interviewing? Who are the authors and who are the non-authors, right? Because the non-authors are typically data scientists that, that I can kind of just riff off. I don't need to prepare that much for. Um, so I have two lists. Here are my authors. Here are my non-authors, right? No, they, the, the, the reason why I'm asking is because, you know, in, in many ways I do similar things. But, you know, I'd like to also track what I've done and what I had to change and how I changed it. So I have like a simple spreadsheet where I have my tasks and then I have a date. And then, of course, if I delay it, I'll keep the existing date. It's kind of a geeky approach. Mm -hmm. But, you know, over time, you start to be able to track which tasks may have taken longer, less or more. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. See, I'm very analog. Like I, I track myself mostly just by paper. Like I have this other notebook here, which is a much larger notebook. And so this notebook. There is, you go. <laughs> this notebook is more more me thinking through. Like like you can see here. Like a, this is me. Uh, this is beginning of February. Thinking through what I need to do for the next few weeks. Yeah, um, that's. Um, I see that one. This is mine. Nice. Is that uh, it's a tiny little one? Yeah, but it, it goes everywhere I go. It's yeah. uh, always made me small pen. And whenever you're sitting at a cafe or anywhere else, all the ideas go in there. And once a week, I just kind of go through all the ideas, organize them, structure them. Yeah. Um, I mean, my brain is just working constantly. Yeah, uh, I've got this the, the same same concept. I have a handheld notebook that is uh, it's always by my door next to like my keys and my sunglasses so that when I go out the house, like I'm always grabbing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that this idea of always like having your mind working, man, that's, it's, it's good to take a break and let your mind wander, right? There's, um, that's called music to me. Yeah. That's music. music. I yeah. put my headphones on and I just listen to music. It's the only way. Well, there's a second way, which is to drive a car. Yeah. Just go driving with loud music and just cruise, you know, because yeah. my mind has to focus on other things. Yeah. So that, that entire network of your brain, that's like the default mode network of, of the brain that kind of has these ideas bouncing around and colliding with each other. Jill, how you doing? Yeah. Oh, I want to add something here. I was just Please. watching um, uh, Stephen Colbert interviewing Jane Fonda, and they were talking about how um, how laughter also does this. How like you let your guard down, and then it like it lets the ideas come in. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's, <laughs> no, no, that's great. That's interesting. I don't know if you got, I don't know if you actually listened to my podcast or not, the Arts of Data Science podcast, but you should listen to my interviews. Um, they're awesome. But there was a, I interviewed somebody maybe 
I released the episode two weeks ago and it was with Dr. Sadna Bokahira and she is a gelotologist. And what a gelotologist does is they study laughter and they study uh, things like that, laughter and humor. And so we had a huge uh, conversation about this, about how laughter is beneficial and how humor is needed in our lives and stuff. So check it out. Um, the title yeah, this episode. Is, I, I am looking into this right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you might enjoy that one. Um, she's awesome. She's a really, really smart individual, does some awesome work, some awesome research as well. Wait, what is, what is her name again? Um, here, I'll give you a link. I'll give you okay. a link to the podcast interview I did with her so you can listen to my actual podcast. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm forcing my I'm, podcast uh, on people. I, I would also like to know um, her name. Um, I have, I yeah. have a background in yeah. cognitive science, so I'm, I'm actually like... Yeah, really- check it out. It's it's hard to uh, hard to say. Sadna. Bokadira. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Great. Awesome. So cognitive science is awesome. I wanted to study that um, at one point, but just never got to. Uh, but yeah. So anyways, guys, that was. A yeah, sorry great. to derail. No, no, no. That's, that was great. I really enjoyed, you know, I enjoy talking about this type of stuff. But yeah, if anybody has questions, go for it. If not, we could continue just, just you know, shooting the shit. That's completely okay with me. I have a quick question. Um, <clears throat> I have this database at work. Uh, it's in Excel and it's a complaint database. And basically the purpose of the database that they have is just like, you know, they have a complaint that comes in an email, they copy that entire complaint and put it in an Excel. Oh. So they might have the date and the complaint all in one cell. And then they will have uh, maybe the name of the, uh, maybe the name of the person uh, who took the complaint down or the customer service person. So it's not a structure or anything like that. It's just a, a, a place to keep information about a complaint. So right now I'm trying to uh, analyze that complaint. Uh, and I'm, so I'm thinking, looks like I need to work on the Excel first, meaning I have to uh, I have to break down that information to different columns like date, name, what is the complaint about and categorize the complaint, whether it's shipping problem or customer unhappiness and things like that. And then the complaint itself will be in another column. So I need to break those columns. Out. Is that the way to go first? Yeah, and then, that's yeah. definitely what I would do. I would focus first on trying to get into a tabular structure. Mm, that's what I thought. Yeah. So yeah, then before I start analyzing it, whether it's uh, whether analyzing it via Excel or maybe using a Jupyter notebook to analyze it. So yeah, that's what I was thinking. I just want to know if I'm doing it the right way, the right method, because right now the Excel is just a, a placeholder for complaints. That's it. And nothing is broken down properly. Is and, there a structure to the Excel? Like, so you're saying you have an Excel sheet and then each row in the Excel sheet what, there's only one cell that one cell will have the person's name the complaint and the date and is yeah. that in a consistent so, order or no uh I, I want to say the earlier years that were there aren't there is no consistency but i th- i guess when as they were traveling from 2018 going towards 2021 i see some sh- some some shape is taking form but again all the date and the complaint is all in one cell with the person's name, the date, the complaint, all in one cell. And then the other, the other column, maybe it's like a resolved, complaint resolved. And then the other uh, cell is like uh, resolved at this meeting. That's it. Yeah. So it's it's very. Um, it's not in, in an. I mean, it's it's yeah. It's it's just a placeholder basically at the moment. Yeah. So right now I'm trying to break it all down, taking that one cell with the person's name, date, and the complaint, breaking it up into three different cells. 
So I just want to make sure if I'm going, doing it the right way. That's how I would proceed as well. I okay. see Tor, Tor has his hand up, so go for a Tor. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> uh, this is a very typical. I just wondered how many transactions or how many uh, roads are we talking yeah. about data now? What, uh, right now, this? I think they have about maybe four or five. Oh, you mean the number of rows? Yes. Uh, it's I, it's not much. I'd say, I'd say it's about 167 to 180 okay. rows at the moment. Yeah, it's, then, it's small. It's small. Yeah. Okay. So then, the, like what you have started doing, this is how I would go about doing okay. it because this is a very common problem in, you know, a lot of organizations. And also, you're just mentioning that over the time, they kind of, oh, we need to add, we need to add, we need to add. And, mm-hmm. and it's fine to add because technically it's just a column. But what I would recommend now, given mm-hmm. that it's not that many lines, there's two things you want to achieve. One is, of course, to clean the data that you already have. Okay. But what do you mean by that? Clean the data? By cleaning, which is basically what you're saying, you're going to split up a cell, bring okay. it in, break it into different things. And okay. the way that I normally do that, the approach that I take is that I just start with the first line, break it up. And as you go along, you will start to see trends when you break up, okay? So you'll get new columns, you'll start to replace, you'll start to realize you're missing columns, etc. Now, when you're finished with the task, the job that you're doing has value, okay? So you Mm want to make sure that you can create some sort of a new input form so that this can be implemented in the organization, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to start cleaning a second round, third round, and fourth round, and a fifth round. So to avoid that, you want to standardize that form, okay? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Normally what I do is that if you're working in a on a network and you still continue, since it's not that many, I suggest you just stay with that standard Excel. What you do is that you have your input, which is occurring on a daily basis. That's all your columns. So when the the users or the people using the form inputting, they will use the same or add in those information in the columns, okay? But because Excel is kind of hard to work with multiple people at the same time, what you do is you take your each of your column headings, you create a new tab in Excel. Instead of keeping the columns going at the top, you now have them in the rows. You have now created an input form, which you can print and leave at the desk of the people dealing with it so they can use it manually if they have to. Or you can then create an input sheet. And the beauty of that is, is that whoever is working can just keep making a new sheet, new sheet, new sheet input and then they send it to somebody that puts it copy and paste into because you just used the, the the conversion thing where you copy from row to column that also simplifies in in and your approach that if you add a new column you will add it at to at the end okay so that means that old forms you will then be very quickly able to see if you're missing the new fields when you receive them okay so this is how i would approach it but the cleaning process and it is a cleaning process what you do now is really starting to get a very good picture of the data you have now once you've done that i would go to your key stakeholders Mm-hmm. You make a simple, I normally use a pivot table or some sort of just to bring it out, but then sit down with the key stakeholders and ask them, what more do you need? Mm. Okay. Okay. Because now you're actually starting to interact with the, the receivers of that who's using the data. Okay. Yeah. They may realize, okay, you have covered a lot of what the 
based on the information you already have and the analysis you've done, you now covered probably 80-90% of the expectation for people. Sure. But when you visualize it and you get it presented in this way, the receivers will start to see, I need this, I would like to see this, etc. Then you can incorporate, discuss, don't incorporate, just incorporate, challenge. Because okay. I'm a true believer, you don't want to collect too much. You want okay. to minimize the data that comes in and so that it's strong yeah. and required, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Now, once that's back in picture, now you go back, you update your original, you make a final one, and then you do three months without any changes. Get people used to using the data, the input, et cetera, because you're going to have to turn the organization around to get used to it. And right. that is a really hard part, okay. which means that you have to follow up on every delivery and then say, why did you put this in? This is not supposed to be here. This is supposed to go here. This is That's the training interaction to make sure that the organization now is aligned with the input and what you're looking at. I see. I yeah. hope that can be helpful. And if you want any help on the, the uh, I have some old forms laying around, samples, etc. I'll be more than happy to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know if you have an old sample from, yeah, I'd like to take a look at it. Yeah, that would be great. And because yeah, right now, I, I think what you're saying, Thor, is great because this is super helpful. Because so while I, I'm cleaning, actually, this is what I'm doing. I, I took the Excel and I converted it into CSV file. <clears throat> and then I'm changing it in the CSV file. So I'm thinking, wait, uh, CSV and Excel are the same, right? Just that CSV is great for analyzing data in yep. Python and all that stuff. So should I not be changing it in CSV file? Maybe just not yet. Okay, I would just Excel. use your Excel because, you know, your, your Python and all the other things on 168 lines, I don't personally, you, you can practice and do that, but do that after yeah. you clean because okay, that's when it. you're actually going to get proper results mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. from your analysis. But you can use Excel now uh, to just simplify it because what you're looking for now is just to get a proper overview mm -hmm. of what you have and what you would like. And then, of course, you can go and present it to your key stakeholders, management, yeah whatever, to then have discussions around what else would you like? How do you want? Okay. Then you can start to become really fancy and start making all the graphs and the KPIs okay, and the gotcha. blah, 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 blah. Okay. Because classifications are key. Okay, awesome. So the first step is Excel. Clean the Excel that I currently have, right? Break it all down into uh, meaningful data, I guess, date, name, and complaint, and all that stuff. Right. And then um, and then the next step would be to maybe create a, a input form that has this data that I cleaned up and broken up and all that stuff. And then if possible, maybe have a manual sheet that emulate this form, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that, which, you know, yeah. Which basically is what the people will use when they're dealing with the complaint. Yeah. So they're actually just filling in by hand. Yeah. And then yeah. afterwards, they can put it into the Excel. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that it's better to have it's like copy using paper. Paper is great. Yeah. Yeah. And handwriting is quick. Yeah, you have to type it in. But from the sounds of it, 168 complaints over two years, those are not big numbers. This can be done. Oh, well, no, this is uh, 168 complaints over one year. So every year, that's right. like 160, 150, 160 complaints. It's, it's still the might still be, small. Yeah, it's nothing it, big. It's exactly. not big numbers. But I believe that this is something that if you want to think the bigger picture, in my mind, how I would be thinking is that, yeah, one thing is the complaint section now, but is there any any relevance to other things you're tracking because you now want to start now you're getting into the python r thinking etc can you link it up to customer data can you link it up to sales data can you link it up to yeah. other things 
But that is the next stage. The first stage now is just to clean, get organized, get the data so that you have a proper database yeah. for following up. And I would just convert it into a database. Once the Excel is done, you just convert it to a normal database. And then you can do everything you want from that database. Yeah, as I'm cleaning this uh, file, I can see like, trend like what do you say Paul? i do see a few things in there that's big that it's repeating like i see a lot of shipping problems you know a lot like <laughs> a lot and then i see a, another category where they're asking for product sheets and, and I'm, I'm beginning to see it as i'm cleaning this i say you know right. what this would be super great if i have it all cleaned up analyzed i mean maybe i'll just do it on excel for now analyze it and show them some stuff. Say, hey guys, you got a problem over here. You know, the shipping needs to be trained or something because there's a whole lot of issues over from, you know, a lot of stuff. So yeah, so I want, they don't know I'm doing this project. I want to showcase it to them. I'm yeah. trying to, like, I, like initially I said, I wanted to get a data project, right? And I, I thought I'll start with, based on everyone's input, start with a low-hanging fruit, right? And I know this customer complaint data, is, it's, it's, it's really good because you get to see, at the end of the day, it's the customers who are, who are going to be paying you the money, right? And you get your bottom mm -hmm. line revenue whatsoever. So I thought, let me just attack the customer complaint database. And they don't know I'm doing it. I'm doing it on my own at my own weekends, whatever nights to kind of cleaning up and trying to showcase it to them eventually. Maybe I'm giving myself about 30 days to do this so that oh, I can, you can do it in the evening. To <laughs> I'm sorry? You, you'll be able to do this in an evening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, so. no, but I, I know there's more, but what also I would just say is that in your mind, you already now started to see some predict some predictions or things that are coming and going. Mm -hmm. Don't spend too much time thinking about those. Just make notes because okay. one of the things that you will find once you have cleaned up the data and summarized and made some simple pivot tables, you will actually get those confirmations most likely. What you should think about is that, you know, in any data set, you will have peaks like large numbers. Yeah. The first question you're going to get from your key stakeholders is that if there's a lot in shipping, they want to know, is there a breakdown of the shipping problem? Ah, uh, okay. Okay. If you have a huge problem of this or some other categories, they will want to break that down somehow. Yep. Don't give anything to them. <laughs> you know, control people's expectations. That's the key when it comes to delivering to management, etc. But the thing is, is that once you have that, you will also then start to have to start breaking those down. Mm -hmm. And that is just classifications. Right. And right. when I deal with classifications in an organization on how to track and improve, normally it's the same principle. I start out with five or six key uh, items, which mm -hmm. is just tick mark, you know, tick this, tick this, tick this. Whether it's a combination, doesn't matter. But then I always have the quote unquote other category. If it's not possible to categorize, they can click other, but if they do that, they have to put in something, a text. Mm -hmm. So in an input in the database, you have a tick mark. And if they choose other, they have to type something because you need to start tracking the other. Yeah, exactly. In the same principal way. After the first 10, you're not going to bother. But when you start getting a lot of others, that is a strong indication that you need to break down even further. Further. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is just some ways that I'm working with it. Anytime I'm on uh, LinkedIn, I'm constantly okay. on. So if you have any questions, yeah, just feel yeah, free I, to, yeah, sounds to get good. in so touch. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear from yeah. Christoph here too. Looks like he has uh, some input. I, I believe so. Because uh, I'm, 
I'm highly interested in NLP right now. And what you're saying, it sounds to me like a clear NLP problem. And I don't want to go too deep on it, but uh, we've got those two types of data. There's unstructured data and structured data. Where structured data is, you know, like spreadsheet. But your spreadsheet is unstructured because you've got everything in one cell. And this is a text, if I understood it correctly. Yes, that is correct. Mm -hmm. So this is basically an NLP task, which is called information extraction. Mm -hmm. And if you know a little bit of Python, there is a few libraries that could be completely helpful with it. Oh, okay. uh, We already talked like two or three weeks ago about Spacey, which I Uh love. And I I do things like this because this is perfect. Like you you need names, you you need like numbers, you need some text, you you need to find shipping in in this text. Uh, And Spacey would be definitely helpful. I know there is another uh, lib uh, which is called NLTK for Natural Language Toolkit, but okay. I haven't used it a lot. So I, 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 but I'm really sure that it would also go. So if you want, you can also connect with me on uh, yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. This is, <laughs> you see my no, name, that's and okay, I, I, I can. I can help. I believe I could help uh, with Python and stuff like that. So Spacey can help you with this unstructured data to kind of get it into a structured format? Uh, So uh, Spacey helps uh, basically with NLP. So uh, Mm -hmm. almost everything that you want to do with text, you can do it with Spacey. Okay. And this is like, I, I also love Spacey because it forced me to understand a lot about natural language processing. Because in Spacey, the, you can you can strip every text, every sentence into single tokens, and to oh. each token you get such information it's like what uh, part of speech it is, or how a sentence uh, is built. This, this is called the dependency parsing. So this is everything I I learned in pre- in last few weeks because I started using Spacey, and it's like. They provide you with so many information about every sentence, about every word that you you will find everything. Like you've got probably like 10 different ways to, to solve your problems with wow. only with Spacey. If you if you want to go deeper and you don't okay. even have to go too deep in uh, too deep in theory. But it, since you said that you want to showcase a little bit, then knowing a bit of theory about NLP and this information instruction, I think it would be great. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely take up on your offer too. Uh, I don't know how do you pronounce your name. Uh, how do you pronounce your name? <laughs> I, I'm Krzysztof. Krzysztof, okay, gotcha. Krzysztof, okay. But, uh, I'm fine. Uh, uh, so uh, many people call me Chris, like for Krzysztof. Yeah. Okay, so Krzysztof. Yeah, that's Chris. easy to pronounce. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Krzysztof. I appreciate no, that no too. No problem. Yeah, I, I did think about NLP too, but uh, then I, thought, I told myself, this is great because it can be two different projects, really. But, you know, one is the, the method of the Excel method, which is very easy for my company because they don't have any data or AI stuff uh, going on. So this might be a great way to kind of push them into the direction of data, you know, just kind of show them, you know, uh, you know, you can get a lot of good information 
a lot of value in your customer complaints and they would be very receptive to that because they use Google Sheets for everything and Excel for everything. But then again, I did think about the NLP part too, but I think since we, since if I'm going to be the only person doing the NLP stuff, then what if I leave and then it becomes uh, wasted, I guess. But it's good for me because I get to learn uh, NLP and how to structure everything. Which, like, for example, what Christoph says, Spacey, that, that'll be good on my resume too. So I can go in two different directions if I want to. But to, yeah, so, and yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Thor, you, had a, you, had to, you want to say something? Yeah, this is so cool. Uh, this is where I'm, my limitation, I worked out of a Excel mind. I mean, uh-huh. that's the reason why I've joined this because I've been growing, living, breathing, eating Excel for the past, yeah, many, many years. Yeah. But the what Christoph was saying about the NLP approach, mm-hmm. to me, this is a perfect example. Like you said, you want to test, why not use this? You yeah. do it the manual way and then use the other way yeah, to kind yeah. of match up and see how that compares. Yeah, and exactly. There's so many things you can learn from this. One is how much time does it take to do it the Excel way compared to doing the NLP way? Yep. And mm-hmm. that gives you a very good picture. And also when you're talking to the key stakeholders afterwards, you know what? I did it the manual way and this is how much time I spent. Now, data science is getting you into this old other yeah. game ball and I saved this much time. So, Honestly, if you want to pay for my courses, do something for me, I can really make this a lot more efficient, not just with this, but with all the other databases you have. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. your pitch, okay? You sell. Yeah, exactly. Now, the funny part job is, is, yeah, that, that's so true, Thor, because I had a performance review on Friday from my company. So I kind of alluded to them, you know, um, my goal is to become a data scientist. And I think there's a lot of stuff that you have at the company, which we can improve. And I, I kind of gave them some of the ideas that I had. So they, let's see what, so they were like, oh, really? What's a data scientist? <laughs> so it's like, uh, so I, I, I kind of had to give them a brief overview, but I, I think I'm going back to, coming back to what I'm saying is, I think the customer complaint database is such a great example. Now that I'm talking to all of you, it's giving me so much more ideas about, yeah, like, you know, Thorship, Excel way, you can do it this way, that. And then now that Christoph said NLP, so I'm thinking, whoa, this is a great story to tell, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, this is amazing. So I would say it's a good case for them to first, if you can say, okay, you guys are collecting data in a way that, you know, probably isn't best look at, look at how I'm collecting, look at what I've done once I've structured this data out using these techniques. If we start collecting data in this way, here's what we can do going forward, which is using NLP to better analyze what the customers are doing. So you really, essentially with this mini project is you're kind of showing a a life cycle and saying, you know what, here's how we can make these things easier. If you think this is cool, this is what we can do to make it easier. Um, there's going to be some change management at that point, right? Because if yeah. you're collecting data, awesome. that's yeah. not Thank really you so much. Yeah, that'd be difficult to uh, to get them to start picking yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. They don't know about it yet. So I'm just doing it on the side. I downloaded the database on my own system. And I know, and I know it's not, uh, it's not nothing secret, nothing secretive in that. So I thought that is a safe way to play the game. So, you know, I thought I'll just download the customer complaint. It's just complaints. There's no numbers, nothing. So I'm, thought, I'm curious though, like what's that, where are you downloading this from? Like what oh, they have it all in Google Sheets, right? So it's in my, it, it's it's in the, they have this customer service email and they have everything set up in Google Sheets. So I just downloaded it as an Excel file okay. into my okay. computer. So that was it. Nothing, n- nothing big. So, 
I just made a copy of it. So I thought, let me just play around and see what it is. As I was, clean, I, 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 I downloaded it as Excel file. Then I converted to CSV. Then I'm thinking, as I'm cleaning it up, I said, you know what? I should, my mind, I, I, I was thinking, you know, I shouldn't be cleaning it on a, on a CSV. Maybe I should do it on Excel first. Yeah. So it's more I'm learning as I'm going through yeah. this. This is good because this is like from scratch. Everything's unstructured, and I'm also starting from zero to ten. So zero meaning no. Here I have an Excel file, and I convert CSV. Nope, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be doing it on Excel first. So these are good learning experiences for me right yeah. now. So I'm yeah, thinking, I mean, you know what? I need to put this all in Excel because this is what they are looking at, right? So I, I kind of the CSV is just a text file, right? It's just yeah, it's yeah. just a text representation exactly. of of a tabular data, right? That's essentially mm-hmm. all it is. So Excel lets you just look at it with a nice visual, you know, user yes, interface. So absolutely. Yeah. So like converting that, it to a CSV, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's extra work for yourself. Just work because you can take that raw data, like, you know, do whatever cleaning Tor said, and then export that as a CSV. Yes. And then you can put it into a data frame in pandas and go nuts exactly. and do whatever you want. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's good because now I, I made. I know I made a mistake. Said so nope, I have to go back. <laughs> so, but it's good. At least now I know the thought process. So I'll just work through. But yeah, I'll share with you guys as I go along. See where. Just a quick comment. Yeah. Um, this is what I do. It doesn't matter. I mean, the the amount of data that's available, like the size of the data. What I normally do, I pick up always. Uh, for any type of data, whether it's like a million transactions or 2 million, 10 million, whatever, I will pick up the first 1,000 or the first 500 gotcha. and mm-hmm. use Excel to analyze because I am very efficient in Excel. I'm not good on databases and SQL or anything like that. So mm-hmm. for me, the Excel, I start with 500 lines and then I work in that. Once I've built it and I understand and the structure and the data, all my quote unquote formulas are in place. Technically then it's just to dump all the data in, whether it's a CSV file or whatever, because the formulas and copy and paste the formulas very quick. Right. So right. so so this is what I do. So if you have other databases, instead of downloading the whole thing for Excel analysis, just pick up the first three, four hundred lines and that okay. will give you a very good picture of what's in the data normally. Yeah. Okay, question yeah. for you then, Thor. Uh, so this Excel file, uh, they have they have one tab for 2020, one tab for 2019, oh. one tab for 2018. Is it just better for me to take all all three years and put it all in one big uh, okay. let me, sheet? Is that better? Let me, let me give you one thing on that. When I normally receive data for audits that I perform, they normally give it by year. The first okay. thing I do is I consolidate. I, I take tab 2018. I just add a new column. I call it year 2018. Okay. Oh. And then I copy and paste the value all the way down. Then I copy and paste the value into a consolidation sheet. So year column is now one that I've created and it will contain the year. And then I just copy and paste, copy and paste. Okay. This is okay. how I do. Okay. And then I have everything in one sheet. Then yes, I can run yes. my pivot tables. I can do uh, whatever okay, I want. Okay. And from the pivot tables, I can generate new data files okay. on okay. specific items or et cetera. So, but like I said, this is how I work. And right now, for example, I'm working on a file that 
consists of it's close to nine hundred thousand transaction lines, but it comes from about four to four six different files. I but see. I've consolidated them in, and the limitation of one tab on Excel is one million. Okay, so, so I should probably consolidate them. Okay, so consolidated when it's talking about smaller data, but with the Excel limitation. Now, if I'm not able to consolidate because of the limitation of one tab, which is one million transaction mm-hmm. rights, I will keep the years because you can run pivot tables and as long as the structure the same, I just make sure the length is the same, then I can make another ta- uh, tabulation where I can summarize across the tabs. Okay. This okay. is another way of cheating. So, for example, I've worked with data that covered, for example, t- 20 years. So what oh. I did, I, I created a new tab called start and then i grab a tab that's called end okay and i put all the data files in between then i create a summary tab i just copy the first one as long as they're all the same the sheets both in length you take the longest and the widest as long as they're all the same you can create a formula in excel to summarize across the tabs okay but you do it from start to end tab oh i see yeah Makes that sense? one's a bit complicated for me but and no no it's not complicated because what you can do then is that you can move the end sheet and the start sheet and whatever is between those two sheets will be summarized oh okay i see that's just a way of getting around excel okay Hmm. So, for example, if you have a summary in the summary sheet, it mm-hmm. says that the formula will just state that it summarizes from start uh, cell A1 uh-huh. to end or sheet start A1 to oh. end A1. And whatever Excel tab you have in between, A1 cell will be summarized into the total oh. sum. I'll make a small little example yeah, for you. Yeah. And then I can send you just to show you how the principle. Yeah. And yeah you can yeah. use that to, uh, like I said, Excel. But of course, in uh, Python and other structure, yeah. you're probably much better to use. So I'd say this just like use Excel to get tactile, right? Just to get a feel of what is in the data. But everything yeah. that Tor is talking about, you if you were trying to become a data scientist, you need to start thinking about how can I write this out programmatically? Because everything he's okay. talking about, you can do with code, right? Okay. This method might work well by hand for 168 rows or whatever, but you yeah. need to scale up and have yes, scale exactly. up and do it through code. So Excel is great. I use it as well to get tactile because there's certain ways you can manipulate a Excel sheet that you can't manipulate a pandas data frame like, right? Yeah. Um, so it's 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 nice to to use Excel to get tactile to like you know kind of get your hands really like, it's the only way I feel like I can get my hands on the data is through Excel. Mm-hmm. But as you're doing that, add another column right? And this column is just for you to think, okay, if this thing that I'm doing with this particular row of data mm-hmm. in pseudocode, what would this look like? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And just think about it in pseudocode and say, okay, in order for me to, to in order this process that I just did manually by hand, mm-hmm. if I was to write it as a Python function, what would it have to have? Gotcha. So okay. You're training yourself to think both ways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, okay. Cool. Awesome. Um, uh, thanks for the suggestion. I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so would, if anybody has any questions, we can, we can um, take another question. Otherwise we'll, we can go ahead and wrap up. It's um, well, Jill, do you have a question? I see you just came on. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I put this in, um, in the chat. So I, um, um, I 
I've, I've been applying to like data analyst positions and just seeing that like a, a lot of companies, especially smaller companies, like are, want to use Excel. They want experience in Excel. And that's like, I don't know, less less scary for, for a lot of people because it's more familiar. And I realized like I have not really used Excel much besides like, I don't know, calculating means and standard deviations, like really basic stuff. So um, I actually want to um for for Ryan I want to learn more about how to use Excel like how to do data science with Excel and I just wonder if anyone has a suggestion of where to look or like this is like the key function to know or anything like that a couple of places I can refer you to first place is David Langer he's got a um, awesome course that's all about Excel for uh, data science so take a look at David Langer's course um, he's Dave on data I think that's the website Dave on data.com or you can find Dave on data in um, in LinkedIn also if you just go to Udemy and you just you can like um, I just pulled up Microsoft Excel on Udemy and let me just show you what, what comes up on Udemy here there are 8,000 free courses on Microsoft Excel and Udemy <laughs> and a lot of them have some great resources so I'd probably look somewhere here um, eight, and these are free I, I filtered by free courses okay so, awesome so definitely check those out and then last point I want to make is um, you can still do all your work in Python or R, but just export the results to Excel if that's what your stakeholders are comfortable using, right? Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I, I, had a, I had an interview, a first interview recently, and um, and I asked about the interview process, and she said that um, a, a later stage would be a timed Excel test. Mm. So better learn it i guess yeah so definitely check out some of these free resources on on udemy yeah um but i um i i totally agree with like um wanting to like persuade any any employer that they should really expand beyond excel i mean you don't really know what the situation is if you're just interviewing right so there's there's Excel could still get you pretty far, right? And it's it's used a lot by the overwhelming majority of analytics, I think, are done using Excel, right? Um, and you could still do a lot of statistics and regression and things like that in Excel. So it's got its place in the business world for sure. Um, but I mean, if you want to do like, you know, if, if your ultimate end goal is to build machine learning models that get integrated into much larger decision systems, then eventually you want to start learning Python or R or what have you. Uh, but some companies aren't necessarily going there, right? It all depends on the analytic maturity of the company and where it is that they are trying to to move towards because not everybody needs to be a stage five mature company that's data first, right? Um, you know, even though there's, I'm um, talking about Tom Davenport's analytic maturity scale that goes from level one to level five, level five being Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and things like that. They're data for first organizations, level one being companies that um, maybe they have data like in Excel sheets and don't do anything with it. Right. Uh, so I don't think necessarily every company needs to aspire to get to level five. Maybe they might top off at like a level 2.5 or 3.5, somewhere in there. Um, just all depends, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess just a, a quick question that you made me um, think of is, uh, does does Excel have like um, a forecasting formula? I think it does, yeah. Um, there's, there's a wide variety of functions in Excel for statistics. It's got some pretty sophisticated statistical um, methods built into it. And I think there might be a forecasting one. Awesome. Um, any other questions? Cool. Well, thanks for uh, for joining us. I know daylight savings might have messed some 
some time zones up for some people. So uh, apologies to anybody who missed this because of that. But I guess going forward, it'll be an hour earlier for those people in Europe, um, everybody else in the States and North America. It's still the same time for you guys, I believe. Um, so yeah, cool guys. Well, thanks for hanging out. Uh, great insights. Thanks for, for providing all the wonderful uh, insights there tour to Jaya. I'm looking forward to see what happens from that. Um, well, somebody just entered, so Asha has entered. Um, let's let's help Asha out real quick. And today is today a Pi Day, three point one four. Yes, it is. Wow, important day. Yeah, right on. Asha, welcome to Office Hours. Um, just a heads up, we're about to wrap up because of daylight saving times in North America. We've already been at this for an hour, but if you got a question, I'm happy to help. I think Asha is on mute, so I'm going to assume that she does not have a question. Does not look like it. All right, well, all right, guys, well, take care. Have a good rest of the week. Look forward to seeing you guys again next week. And also don't forget on Friday, don't forget to check out the podcast if you haven't already. I've got an interview releasing this Friday with Evan Pellet. We talk about the science of a successful interview. So he wrote a book called Cracking the Interview Code, which is all about um, essentially psychology and behavioral psychology of like the interview process. I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I will warn, though, that my audio is messed up in that episode because um, I, I was speaking into the microphone, but I did not set my settings to have my voice input through the microphone. So it was uh, it was not clear, but... Evan's voice is amazing and clear. So check that out this uh, this coming Friday. Um, I see Asha joined again, so I'll give her an opportunity to ask her question if she has a question. If not, then we'll go ahead and wrap up. So Asha, if you have a question, go for it. If not, we're going to um, end today's session. Sorry, I didn't catch anything. I think my network is a bit shaky today. Oh, yeah. So so daylight savings time happened and um, we actually started an hour ago because it's already 12 p.m. Central Time. So we're about to wrap up. But if you have a question, we're happy to help. I'm so sorry. I think I'm going to keep asking. I had the, it started an hour ago. That's what I had. Then it broke off. I think my network is a bit shaky. Okay. Well, if do you have any questions? No, but okay. I've noted I'll join an hour earlier next time. Yeah. Yeah. Starting next week because of daylight savings time. All right. Cool. All right. Well, take care, everybody. Have a good rest of your weekend. Uh, we'll see you around. Take care. Remember, you've got one life on this planet. Why not try to do something big, everybody? Cheers. All right. Thank you. Bye, everyone.